This is a Culture Inject production. All right, welcome back to Part of Us, an En Vogue fan cast. Before we jump in, follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook at Invoke Craze, and on Twitter at Part of Us Fancast. If you have comments or questions, email them to us at partofusevf at gmail.com. Before we get started, we're just going to catch up on what's trending. And uh, I think I hear wedding bells because our girl Rona is a married woman now. She, yes, congratulations, Rona. She posted some photos from her wedding nuptials and she looked gorgeous. Her dress was really, really cute. It had a very like old school classic vibe to it, but she looked beautiful. Cindy and Terry were her her bridesmaids. That was so cute. I assumed that they were just gonna like Attend. When's the last time you put your uh, you put your boss as your bridesmaids? You don't. <laughs> so anyway. when's the last time? Exactly. They're friends. So the fact that they were bridesmaids, it just shows that yeah, that they're 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 really really close. So I, it was really cool to see. Congratulations, congratulations, congratulations. Rona. And you know what's funny? There's a girl group connection because the designers of maybe the wedding dress. But definitely the bridesmaid dresses was Wendy Williams Stern, who designed In Vogue's costumes for the mixtape tour that they just completed this year with New Kids on the Block and Salt and Peppa. Really? Right. And she's from the group For Real. Uh, and Shut right, up. she's from the group For Real. And if you know For Real, I don't even remember what they sang, but I remember they had like the. Is that Love Will Be Waiting at Home from the, uh, from the Waiting to Exhale soundtrack? Is that For Real? I believe so. I know somebody out there, one of the listeners knows, so they can put it in the comments. But yeah, her bridesmaid dresses um, were designed by Wendy Williams Stern from For Real, who was modeled after Invoke. So that's just kind of like one of those really weird um, type of um, ways that the universe can kind of connect you back to the past. But I thought that was cool. I love that. I love that too. Well, Miss Wendy Williams Stern, you got the ladies looking gorgeous. And Rona deserves, like, she's in, like, a very winning season right now. Like, got her man, got yes, her she wedding, is. she just dropped her book. She's, like, just came off of a, a national tour. I'm like, okay, Rona. I love to see it. Work. I was looking at the photos. <laughs> like, because, you know, I'm a Rona fan. I've been a Rona fan for forever since the Mickey Mouse Club day. So, of course, I was looking to see who was there. I was happy that Cindy and Terry were the bridesmaids. I was looking to see what Mouseketeers were there. The only ones I saw, well, the only one I saw was Tony Luca, who, as some people may know, um, competed on The Voice. But I was expecting to see, not, of course, like Britney or Christina or anybody, but I was expecting to see, like, Nita and Matt Morris. And I hope they were there. Of course, you know, everyone's fine finances are different everyone's time obligations are different but that would have been nice to see just for my own little um mmc heart but it was great seeing her mother and her sister and some you know some of the people that i remember would be on the show with her they weren't on the show but like i knew them to be her friends even way back then like you would see them um when the show would Close the Mickey Mouse Club would end and like you know they would pan into the audience and everything and you know so like she's been friends with some of those people forever so she must be very close to Cindy and Terry to you know have them in that company. Yeah, it looked like a big wedding too. Like it wasn't like a little yeah. intimate twenty person. Like she she went all out. There were fireworks. There were it was like glam. Okay, 
Sis, sis said, "I'm going all out," and her and her and her husband is very handsome. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Let me see, let me see, let me see who bad <laughs> you know, because she's because she's a queen." And I was, I was like, "Okay, it makes sense." They are so a I was beautiful like, He's charming. couple. I get it. Yeah. Yes, for sure. It was one angle. I was like, "Ooh, look at look at Rona uh, having jungle fever," but then I was like, "Oh no, he black. He do like." <laughs> <laughs> But congratulations again, congratulations. Rona. We love it. Well, as part of a little bit of a house cleaning moment, we are bringing uh, some updates uh, to past episodes and such. Um, part of us in Invogue Fancast has listeners all around the globe, which is pretty wild. And some of those listeners are pretty are people in the Invogue family, those with firsthand knowledge of what occurs behind the scenes that maybe we fans are not privy to. Understandably, when they hear misinformation being shared as fact, they may want to clear things up. And so one mm-hmm. of our listeners, one of our insiders, who we will not name, wrote to us to clear up some misinformation that they heard discussed on our episode about Sylvia Roan, Dawn, and Terry. And they wrote, quote, I'm still enjoying the podcast, though episode five with DT was full of misinformation and conjecture. <laughs> still entertaining, though. <laughs> A lot of what he assumes about Terry Dawn and how Rona's invested time and energy with En Vogue has been rewarded was quite uh, was off by quite a ways. Rona does not share ownership of the En Vogue name, but gets compensated the same as Terry and Cindy for performances and merchandise. She also came into the group as an established writer, performer, actress, and has written on every project since she's arrived. Although En Vogue with Rona has had no hits that have equaled their previous success with the original four, I would say neither has any other iteration of En Vogue, group or individually. Ooh. Another piece of information that always gets left out of the Terry Dawn Sylvia mix is that Dawn was actually given solo slash production money before Terry. Dawn took the money and was expected to work on music with other producers. Dawn never turned any music around for Sylvia, hence Sylvia's impatience with Dawn towards the end of the negotiations between En Vogue and Electra. Terry activated her solo clause in the interim to keep her bills paid. Terry was always active in En Vogue's renegotiation process and never sat on the fence. Dawn and Max were more aggressive in the, in, the, in the negotiations, but Terry and Cindy were right there. At the point of Terry doing her solo project, uh, Too Tough Enough was out of the negotiations, so there was absolutely no conflict for Terry to deal with, even though she handled it professionally from the beginning and always rode with En Vogue. Rona is a dynamic and talented artist in her own right with many credits previous to joining En Vogue. She is nobody's hired hand. The girls knew they were getting something special when they found her. They wanted a teammate they could rely on in every way. Rona has stepped up every time, hence her long run with the group. End quote. Period. 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 That not in the in the words of Sasha Santana. Now that's how you clear a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But just okay. So on my end, um, I will say that in general, I'm not talking to anyone specifically, but it's interesting to me how people can have such a strong opinion about something not really centered in information that's been presented. And this go, I mean, I could be talking about anybody. I could be talking about myself in some instances. So it's like, 
there's a lot out there that even Don has said that will support um, you know, this insider information that we have when she talks about how, you know, they were able to renegotiate with directly with Electra because someone at Too Tough Enough, like Too Tough Enough didn't renew their contract and someone the person who signed them left. Like she she even went so far as to say that like Tommy and Denny um forged signatures and they went to get to like a handwriting expert and showed that it was forged. So long story short, like they like too tough enough was not a part of the renegotiation process. And so people consistently, you know, multiple people, it's not one person I'm talking about, they have all kind of like tried to make it seem like there's this huge conflict with Terry and talking about pillow talk. Well, that was JP, he's always one who mentions how important pillow talk is, but like that has nothing to do with those renegotiations because that's directly Electra and Sylvia Brown, like too tough enough, it's kind of like out of it at that point. Um, so the way like people were going at Terry this season, it was just like, oh my God. Unacceptable. It was unacceptable. <laughs> Look, I, I'm I am hundred percent here for um the defense of Rona because she matters, her contribution matters. Um, I do like the fact that they um, no shade to you, DT, but you did call her a hired <laughs> hand, you know. So, I, and I understand, you know, especially with the the imbalance of Don and Maxine coming back and leaving, the comeback and leaving. You know, I, I understand, you know, Cindy and Terry wanting somebody who's reliable, who is a powerhouse. You know what I mean? Who was who? Um, who was loyal? You know, so it's like, yeah, Rona has been around for all these years because she completes the equation. You know, it's the same way that Kelly and Beyonce talk about Michelle. You, you know, uh, yes, you do have your originals, Latavia Latoya, you know, but when Michelle came in, she she did what she had to do, you know, and, and despite Michelle being a part of the group, people still try to belittle her, talk about her voice, talk about her being awkward, like that kind of thing. But I'm like, but she completes the equation and she's just, you know, as needed in the in the group. And so I feel the same way about Rona. So thank you to our insider for clearing this up. And honestly, I don't just to just to harken back to the uh to the to the sort of news of the day you don't put your high you, you don't put hired hands in weddings okay your hired hand doesn't put your put, doesn't put you in your wedding as a bridesmaid so like i feel like we right. have to reiterate that there is a relationship here and i don't believe that rona as a smart businesswoman especially one who's written books about the industry and how she's navigated all of this over the years would be in a situation that doesn't uh benefit her or doesn't support the life she wants to live so i just sort of feel like we're we're kind of sub- the critique of rona and her placement and what how she's being compensated is kind of belittling to rona and her business acumen because rona's a businesswoman too she's been in this game for a long time well we can jump into the biggest part of our episode which is listener letters Yay! so Woo! 
Up first, we have Javon Francis, who writes, Hey guys, first of all, let me congratulate y'all for another wonderful season. The way my heart gets happy when I get that podcast notification, y'all are amazing. Now, let me say, that episode with DT had me in stitches. (laughs) I'm a Dawn girl, even though she blocked me twice over something COVID-related, but that's another conversation for another day. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I have a few questions for you guys. How... uh, here are the few questions. How would y'all have liked the format of the EV3 album, Dawn included, if they did a full album with the deluxe having two to three solo songs from each girl? Do y'all think that would have satisfied them and probably eased a bit of the tension in the group? Side note, hashtag justice for waiting on you. I heard y'all trash that timeless masterpiece last season, laughing my ass off. Dawn <laughs> ate that eight on that track y'all take care and i hope we get many more seasons with you guys heart 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 thank you so much thank you thank you javon for listening we appreciate you that people actually listen i I just still i'm still not over that well what y'all think what y'all think about this reformatted reimagined version of ev3 would y'all be would y'all be here for it i mean i feel like on every album like it's always been everyone has like you know, a solo song or two. I don't think it would have been any different from what they've always done. You know? Yeah, I don't think as far as tensions go, it would have um, changed anything. And it was interesting. We were just kind of talking about, like, how young the ladies were when all of this was happening, or how old they were when all this was happening, however you want to look at it, glass, empty glass, half full. But it made me think of, not was it Jill Marie Jones from Girlfriends? Was that the one who played Tony? Mm-hmm. When they had that reunion with Charlemagne, I believe he hosted, and yeah. she was just talking about how, I forget which season it was, but at some point she left the show and she was talking about her age, and I forget if she was in her late 20s or he, she just turned 30, but she just kind of panicked and she was like, you know, and so I feel like that's what maybe was happening with Don. She just, you know, maybe financially she wasn't at where she wanted to be at. Maybe she thought, you know, her youth was leaving her. And so she just needed to be separate from the group. But I don't think it was anything really, honestly, just from, you know, from what I understand about the situation that would have made her stay. I think she was unhappy in that situation. Um, so even if she had every solo on that record, you know, that would have went to her head too and just maybe maybe affirmed her that I should be the solo artist. So I, I don't think that would have eased tension. I agree. I feel like it's um because they were all switching in and out and they all sort of sang they all sang lead at some point. I feel like it's it's not like the Pussycat Dolls where remember that Pussy Pussycat Dolls album where they gave they gave some of them other girls like them little filler tracks to like sing a couple of little lines on to like sort of satisfy having to sing background for Nicole Scherzinger all the time. Like <laughs> that is a real different scenario that I think satisfied them or maybe was it an attempt to satisfy them. But like I just think that at that point the 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 damage had been done people wanted to do what they wanted to do anyway and so a couple of more tracks would have not really appeased anybody i agree that all the ladies have leads on some of their on um, some of their top songs so it's not as if they each don't get a chance to shine and the same breath it would have been kind of cool for all of them to have their own songs just for the fact that you know, when you tour, 
by yourself, you know, Maxine is doing spot dates, Dawn has done spot dates, etc., etc. You have your own song that you can do, you know, yourself that kind of catapults your own individual catalog if that song is good. <laughs> now, we don't know if the song is going to be good, you know, <laughs> but but it, it would have made sense in that regard, me thinking now, but b- back in the day, I guess it's like not really because, you know, well, they all they all It's interesting songs. you say that because she, um, the listener talked about Justice for Wedding on You and I mean, like, Born to Sing, it's, I, it was a bonus track, I believe. But, like, Don doesn't, or not to my knowledge, she's never really done that when she was solo. From what I know about Lucy Pearl, there was a part um, in their show where they would do songs from their previous groups, the members. So I think, I forget what it was that Raphael did. I forget what it was that Alice Muhammad did. But Don did hold on. So it's interesting why she wouldn't do, of course, Don't Let Go. Like, why would you do Don't Let Go? But like a song like Waiting on You that like true fans would know. Because they were hot at the time. So like when you're hot, you can kind of do whatever um, you want in a show. And she would have right. done Waiting. Like, it's just interesting to me. Like, how do they feel about songs like A Waiting on You that wasn't a single, but you know, like some fans might go up for. Like, Terry would just can't stay away, which they actually in- did end up doing like years later. Um, and then just like if it starts becoming a thing where we have to give this many people this many songs, then it's also going to be, well, why did this person get that song? I would prefer that song. You're giving me all the bad songs. Like, I don't know. Just when, like, I do believe um, Don kind of is a malcontent. So there would always be some something there that's just like she would feel like it's not equal or even was equal. Hers would just has to be a little bit better. So <laughs> what what was the album? Was it? I think it was Destiny's Child's Destiny Fulfilled album where they let Kelly have that solo song. It was a bad habit. And even like I was listening to y'all don't judge me, but I really love the weather girls. And so I was listening to the weather girls. Yeah. I was listening (laughs) to their uh, get the feeling album, which I think is the one that's got, is that the one with his raining men? I think it is. But anyway, Martha wash has a song called taking away your space, which is like only Martha wash, like going ham for like six minutes. It's the best song ever. But I do think that there are moments like that where you can give a little bit to like one girl and like let her do her thing so like i'm still intrigued by it like i think like what would a what would a cindy only song sound so, sound like but she's what got would a, a, a cindy only uh, song uh, on ev3 <laughs> well i mean like what would it be like only as one like not like no backing no nothing like all just one girl like i think like that could be kind of interesting but i don't think it would have like her doing anything. the backgrounds and everything yeah, like, that. like like if you gave a girl creative control to do each of them do go into a studio and they get their own song do their own thing start right. to finish what would that be creatively could be interesting i, I would love i wouldn't that. say no to that that would have been hot or it would be or it would be interesting to kind of you know all the ladies are different you know and and if they had the chance, I would assume that they all, all of their solo careers would not look the same, I guess, in my own humble opinion. So it will be interesting to kind of hear like the different type of sounds to come from like these different women, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. like hearing like Terry do a ballad, then Cindy come with a dance track, then Max doing something funky and, and, and old school, and then Dawn coming with like some like real hip-hop-esque, like, uh, 90s, like, 
R&B hit track. Like, it would have been kind of cool to see, you know, because even on Destiny's Child, um, Destiny Fulfilled and Loving It Tour, like, how they had that portion where each lady had, like, a 10-minute set. Well, Beyonce had a 20-minute set. But um, <laughs> I had, like, a 10-minute set, you know, and, you know... Uh, Michelle um, got to bring in Jesus. Kelly, and, yeah, you know <laughs> Kelly did. She did. She did a dilemma and bad habit, and then Beyonce came and destroyed the girls. You know, but it's like so. It it, it would have been funny, cool to see like in Vogue doing like a live performance and then sing each lady like sing their own song doing like a costume change. But you know, but you know that's just you know my fantasy of it all. But I do feel like. If they were given the opportunity, it, they that all reminds me of what Left Eye wanted to do with TLC. Like when she, I remember she, she was like, "We need to all," which to me would have been so game changing and groundbreaking because it was essentially what Outcast did with Speaker Box Love Below. But she was like, "All three of us need to put out the same individual albums." You know what I'm saying? At the same time, which they could have just packaged all three albums together and just done it like that. The challenge. Yeah, I would have loved for that because, you know, T-Boz has a very distinctive voice. Chili has a distinctive voice and Left Eye is a rapper. So that would have been dope. And Deborah Killings has a very distinctive voice too. Who? Uh, you say who had... Deborah Killings. Right. It was a does joke. De- does Deborah Killings oh, get her own record? Oh, does Deborah get her own record? <laughs> the unsung member of TLC. <laughs> the fourth member of TLC. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> for some reason, like, I could see that for TLC, but for me, for In Vogue, eh, it doesn't interest me as much because I just feel like they have always shined individually and collectively, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, there have always been those solo moments from the beginning, whether it's Hold On, Cindy, you know, doing, you know, the leads there or... Um, you know, Terry doing the, the initial, you know, the beginning of Hold On and she had Don't Go. Um, I don't know. So to me, it doesn't hit the same. It doesn't give me the same level of interest because I feel like but, we've gotten to see them do their individual things, you know. But now going off of like piggybacking off of that, like, because you mentioned TLC having like, you know, like, and I, I enjoy TLC, so this is not a diss or anything, but just knowing their capabilities vocally, like they're, not, I don't feel like they would have surprised me vocally, but then there may be pieces and parts of other people's voices um, and in vogue, you know, they're multifaceted women, but when you're kind of in a group, like they're going to kind of, um, you know, like there's certain roles that they play and they probably became very comfortable playing those roles. So for instance, like if you have a Cindy song and she gets to like layer her vocals and you kind of hear like the lower parts you, um, that you, you might not hear because, you know, Maxine kills the low. So like, why we have Cindy singing low? Maxine, you know, t- hearing her belt, well, you know, Terry is a great belter, Dom belt. So, you know, Cindy, we're not going to give her that. We're going to give her kind of the more pop stuff. So that would like in that regard, I would like to particularly when they were younger and they had, you know, um, you know, just when they were probably at their peak vocally seeing some of the stuff that maybe they could have done, like how Don talks about how she has a whistle register <laughs> or had a whistle register, but never really got the chance to use it because it wasn't in the song. So from that angle it would just be interesting to see like if there's 12 Cindy songs what she would do like how she might show up differently than where she would in the Vogue because in it, yeah you get what I'm saying well the next fan letter it says um it's from uh Twitter user J Mary who do you think is the better fit for in Vogue Rona or it, or Amanda please explain your choice 
<laughs> you go, JP. Do you want to go first, JP? <laughs> Jay Mary, you are messy. messy. Um, I feel like I've already said this. For me, I feel like Amanda's a better fit just aesthetically and vocally to me. Vocally, she gives me kind of more of a Don feel aesthetically. I think she just fits better with the group. Um, but, you know, in terms of interpersonal relationships, I think Rona is clearly, you know, the better fit in terms of how she gets along with Cindy and Terry. Obviously, you know, they were bridesmaids in her wedding. They seem to really be able to gel well from that perspective. But in terms of like, you know, aesthetics, I prefer Amanda. Aesthetic and vocally. I think vocally, she sounds, Amanda reminds me a little bit more of Dawn vocally. And just aesthetically, I just think she fits in better. All I remember of of, of Amanda as an aesthetic is her wet and wavy in that lip gloss. What aesthetic (laughs) do she got? She can sing. How she looks physically, just. I mean, he's dragging it. Like, he is dragging it. Like, I'm trying to just say my little piece. She looks... Like, and you just... You just... Continuing to question. Like, I'm dragging it. Dragging it. No, I'm just saying this. When I look at, like, that Christmas cover, like, the three of them together, like, it gives me what I expect of In Vogue. Rona's a gorgeous girl, but I just think, like, she's a little bit taller. I don't know. It just... You know, whatever. Like, I'm not trying to be very uh, picky about anyone's, you know, looks because I think she's a pretty woman. That's not what I'm saying. But, but you know, it's it's kind of like when, when people pick backup dancers. Like, if you're a little bit too tall or whatever, if you don't match the aesthetic, then sometimes you lose out on the job, right? Like, I've seen Janet Jackson pick dancers. Mm-hmm. I've seen J-Lo pick dancers. I've seen Beyonce pick dancers. So, to me, when I look at Cindy, Terry, and Rona, Rona is just, it, it just doesn't blend aesthetically because she's so much taller and thinner and you know it's just like gorgeous girl gorgeous stunning beautiful all that jazz but I just think Amanda kind of looked like I don't know it just she she looked the part of what I would imagine the replacement to be no, I know. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Because you got me, you got me, I feel like you gaslighting me, champ. I don't appreciate that. I feel gaslit. And... I did. Ooh, okay. And Jenna Pinker just talked about that on Red Table Talk. Gaslighting. Um, I prefer Rona for the simple fact that she has an edge to her. You know what I mean? I feel like she, she provides an edge that Cindy and Terry... I wouldn't say they don't have, but you know, they give, they already give this persona. And I think that Rona provides that edge that Invo needs. Like, even when you look at her, their, the bring back the time tour and their red outfits, like just her outfit alone, like that, that shoulder detail, the, the pants, like all that. I'm like, yeah, that is very haute couture. You know, even like when, you know, she, she is very much like a natural girl. She's giving you rage. She's giving you faux lock. She's giving you, you know, blowouts. Like she just, add, her, her aesthetic to me, it, it gives a variety, especially for a black female group. Um, her, that, that bone structure, she's a great, she's a, but she's a, she's a great, she's a great performer. Like, you know, I, I, I just think that she's dope. Um, and she kind of adds that je ne sais quoi, you know, that in vogue 
is supposed in vogue is supposed to give when it comes to performances. So yeah, I prefer, I prefer Rona. I vocally, I think they're both like like I can't argue either of them down. Like they both can sing. Like I think Amanda has solo singer styling to how she sings. So like I think that was pretty clear from I don't know from the get go. So when she was like, uh, I'm gonna do a solo, I was like, okay, that makes sense. Like you sing like a solo singer. Um, but I do think Amanda for that time, that sliver of time that she was in the group, she did match them because they were kind of giving like similar aesthetic. They were all wearing their hair parted down the middle. They were all giving jeans and t-shirts. They were all giving homely round away next door, whatever. But Amanda could not have pulled off rocket. Rona, like, like when we move to in vogue now and like the sort of way they look now and the way that even, like in those significant moments, right? Like music videos or when they've been doing red carpets, like billboard awards, all that other kind of stuff. Rona is polished. Rona feels good in herself and knows exactly how to move her body. Rona is like, she gives you the fashions. I feel like, and she, like the, the clothes don't wear her. She be wearing the clothes. Like I just think Period. that there is like yes. for what it was when Amanda was there. Sure. But I don't know that that could have translated to where uh, blouses, her, blouses and denim. Blouses yeah. and but you know what I think cute. it is. I think Amanda can like if you if you didn't follow in Vogue, if you never kept up with in Vogue, if you see Amanda, you would probably think she was a part of the original group. Like you know what I'm saying. Like if you're a casual fan, if you're just someone who never followed in Vogue, you were never on the fan sites. If you're just someone who knows the hits, and you look at Amanda, it's like oh, okay, that's the original girl. To, when you look with with Rona, it's to me it's very clear that she was not a part of the original concept. You know, I mean, she's younger than them. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just it's clear that she is like the outlier, and not in a bad way. Like, again, it's not anything bad. It's not speaking anything bad about Rona. I think she's a beautiful woman, but I think it's just very clear that she was not just a part of the original equation, you know, versus Amanda. I think if you squint, you know, if you don't squint too hard, it's like, oh, okay, that's one of the original girls. You know what I'm saying? Like she just gives that. And to me, if, if I'm replacing a group member, I want to, re- I want to replace that member with the person who's going to be the least conspicuous. It's kind of like, I don't understand. Like when you've replaced Aunt Viv, who was a beautiful chocolate woman, and then you replace her with, you know, the exact opposite of that. It's like, okay, that's very conspicuous. Okay, she didn't give nothing. Right, you know what I'm saying? Like, if I'm going to replace someone, I'm trying to replace someone so that it's the least obvious. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want yeah. people Yo, to... I don't want to have to... like, ex- Tisha Campbell join the group, which we'll get to in a minute. But, like, <laughs> like, like... You know, but that's just me. Maybe that's just the way that I think. Like, if I'm replacing a anyone i want to replace it with the person that's going to be that's going to raise the least amount of eyebrows that's going to be like the least conspicuous someone who can blend rona is a amazonian diva like she's going to stand out everywhere she goes because she's that i mean you know what i'm saying like she's a gorgeous girl she stands out and not in a bad way i want to hear i want to know what matan's going to say but i wonder first how much of that has to do with the fact that we had seen Rona before? 
like how much of it was that we had, we knew her from Jamie Foxx show. Yeah, we knew it her could from be that. Like, how much of that are we bringing into like? That, that's fair because I watched Jamie Foxx show. I watched Homeboys in Outer Space, so I knew Rona before Rona joined in Vogue. So maybe there is some baggage I'm carrying. In. I don't know. It could be. Well, I Matan, what you think? Well, I think it's like I get JP's point, but I'm I kind of see it the exact opposite way. Like I think I would want just like as someone who is, who is exactly what he's saying, like an outlier, someone who's different. I feel like that's what you kind of needed, and in, in with the original group, it was always kind of like Cindy and Terry. You know, they looked similar, they would dress similar, the most out of the four. And then um, Donna Maxine, they were kind of like the like the opposite ends. I don't know if I'm explaining that correctly, but so then with no, Amanda, it was no, like uh-huh. almost like step for wives. Like it was just like you know, just a very yeah. um, you know, like this is what a pretty woman is. She's like this build, this height. They could all blend it in. Like maybe they, you can mistake them for each other. She kind of sounded like Don. There was just nothing new. So with Arona, it's like you have this like this tone that was different. She doesn't sound like any of the members. She's coming in, you know, singing every pretty much everybody's part, but Terry's, which I'm sure she could kill. She is, she's just different. And I feel like that's what I would want. Like I wouldn't want someone who was just like someone else or who was just like me or kind of in between me and another person in the group. And we can all just blend in. Like I like that she didn't blend in what I thought was so brilliant. With Soulfly was how they kind of like put her up front. Like, okay, she wrote two songs, um, or she was trying to sell song, or she did sell songs, but then ended up being in the group that she sold the songs to. And there was just so much of her in Soulflower. She had so many leads. And I remember actually the fan base back in the day wasn't too pleased with that. They were kind of like, she's taking over, which is like the exact opposite now. Now people are like, oh, she's the Michelle Williams of the group. They don't really use her. They just give her these small parts. But when she first came in, they put her up front. And I really think if they would have um, kind of, like uh kind of focused on a new sound and kind of evolving that would have helped them instead of just trying to be you know what they were in the past but i get what jp is saying because what they are doing is basically trying to be how they are in the past and so and if that's the case you kind of just want to want the kind of generic-ness for lack of a better word um but vocally though i amanda I, she's one of those people who I can say like a teacher can who I think can sing but her voice just doesn't do anything for me it's just like certain people who can be physically beautiful but you know you know you're not attracted to them so her voice there's just um I don't, there's not a lot of grit to me there's not a lot of soul to me there's not a lot of funk to me it's that kind of very beautiful pop standard voice where she can like you know sing standards and then the dancing like the performances that I've always seen they kind of just left me cold and chemistry kind of is something that you can feel um you can't really explain it but you can kind of see you know chemistry and like when I saw Cindy, Rona, and Terry on Soul Train, like, you, you just, like, there's chemistry there. They have it. So that's, she's my choice for I mean, for yeah, I get it. I think it just depends on what you're looking for in the group. If you're looking to keep what people know, then I think Amanda would have been a better choice. If you want to do something different, then I think Rona's clearly the better choice. It's just, I think it just depends on what you're looking for and what you're trying to you know, where you're trying to push it to. And then vocally was Amanda, what was, she wasn't like low, her voice is not low, which 
maybe when I was younger, I liked high voices, but now I love low voices. So like someone like Ruth Pointer, mm-hmm. like because no one has low oh, voices yes. anymore. Like everyone, um, okay. Every, I love give it. I give love me, an alto. A, like to me, an alto is everything. Give me, give me a husky. Give me a husky alto, please. Yeah. That's what I mean. That's one of the. That's one of the. <laughs> wait, you really gave me alto right there. Um, <laughs> like, ooh, that was giving me like Baptist Church choir. Um, okay, but no, that's one. Of, that's one of the things I love about. I really do love about Rona. Is I love the sound of her voice. I love the tone. Like Tony Braxton and Brandy are two of my favorite singers on the planet. And Rona fits, you know, she's in that wheelhouse. So I love that about Rona, you know, but again, if you're, if you're looking from an aspect of like what In Vogue is known for, you know, like who sounds yeah. like what. Amanda fits Amanda that. Fits she that. fits but that. But if you want to do something different, if that. you're trying to give like a new inter- iteration, then of course, you know, Rona would be, yeah. you know, the ideal, perfect candidate rona is more now she's more fresh and i remember i don't know like i know matan was in the yahoo groups at the time but i remember you remember like mr c yes i remember mr c and i remember him saying like you know they really loved rona because her voice was very of the moment like her voice i remember him saying like rona had a voice that was very now very current and that's why they were really excited about some of the songs that she brought to the table because her voice sounded a little bit fresher than Cindy and Terry's do you remember that I do so I, I mean do. I get it like so it's it's like I don't I think a lot of times when when people have like a critique of Rona or whenever critique of Rona it's it's this idea of like oh you know there's no respect like I think Rona is immensely talented I think she's an amazing vocalist you know, but it's just, you know, and now I can get why they would want to bring her on if you're trying to freshen up your sound, you know, because when you think about Sydney and Terry alone, like in 2003, 2004, it's like, yeah, their voices were not what you're hearing on the radio. So, of course, like Rona's voice sounded more of that time when she came in. So it it makes perfect sense. Wait a minute. Um, something's fishy, JP. You're being too. There's too I much know. <laughs> did, somebody, did somebody? I was like, Matt needs to go in and and take the clip where where um where JP says, "I love that about Rona," and then cut out the uh, that about so we can just have a clear, "I love Rona." <laughs> I just want that on a loop. I want no, it on a loop. it's like people have this idea <laughs> yeah. that I just like like I like Rona. Like it is not a personal jab. Like I think Rona is talented as hell like it's not that it's just that you know i mean when i think of in oh, vogue, we know when I, <laughs> when I think of in vogue i think of a certain thing it's it's like i don't know it's hard to explain and we don't have time to dig into it but i don't know it's i i i think of a certain sound and a certain you know, je ne sais quoi, for lack of better word. You know what I mean? Versus, like, if you think of TLC, for example, like, you think of T-Boss. She has the voice, you know, the the, the husky. She's, she's giving you, like, husky. I've got the flu. I've got laryngitis. You know? And you think of Chili, and she's like, you know... Um... You, know, you need to like, choose another example. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's the thing about TLC that worked because they had very distinctive differences and, you know, but to me, Invoke had very distinctive voices. Like, they all, all 
original four members had different voices, but the four differences made a, a certain sound in their blend. You know what I'm saying? Like, because, you know, Cindy was very, like, musical theater. Oh, so Rona can't blend? <laughs> Rona blends, but it just gives a different blend. It just changes the blend. That's all. Like, it just creates a different blend. So if you like In Vogue because of their original blend, then you want someone that sounds, you know, that can keep with the original sound. But it's interesting you say that because there's so many times where, like, Riddle will come out and before the video, like, they hear before the video, or, like, when they're on The Masked Singer... And people are like, I hear Maxine. It's all four. It's all five. It's the originals. Um, okay. <laughs> I mean, they don't know no better. They don't know no better. I can't, I can't, I can't help it. They don't know any better. You know, but when I hear that, I'm like, girl, that is not the. I will, I will say that there's a, there's a valid point there because I do think that when Rona joined the group, I don't think the things that they would have valued them as a, that would have been important to them vocally as a group and before were as important then. I think there was like a need to sort of adapt to the current. Yeah. And I don't think that they needed to be giving harmonies at the level that they were giving right. earlier to right. stay contemporary. And so I think that's why I, I think that's a, that's probably what made her a good choice. And I still think makes her a good choice now. Um, to the point that I think that even the, the stuff that they've been able to do, uh, that's been new has been doable because of Rona's presence. Let me ask you this though, and this is not this is outside of the fan letter. I know we're getting you know off topic, but had let's say all if if all four of them had remained the same, how do you think they would have been able to adapt to the current climate where people don't care about voices? I mean, you have a group like Fifth Harmony, and they were barely singing two part harmony, so. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, how do you think they would have been able to adapt if all, you know, the original four were, were still in the group and they were recording new music? Like, how do you think that would have gone? Maybe I'm naive, but I feel like if the music was good, there would have always been a place for them. Um, maybe we'll get into this, like, around, like, when we, like, if we ever get to Masterpiece Theater. But I feel like at some point... In your career, like people can be connected with you if you kind of open yourself up to people. I feel like that's why so many people love Taylor Swift. And as like thinking like she's been out since at least probably before 2009. But of course, like most people, she came into, you know, the mainstream's fascination with the Kanye incident in 2009. But I, she was making records before that. But she's been able to be like a teenager, a 20 year old. Now she's in her 30s. Um, because people feel like they have that connection with her because so much of her music is personal. So I feel like, and I feel like that's why a lot of people love Mary J. Blige. Um, because like, you know, you, <laughs> oh, Mary, uh, like y- y- when she Don't was going through her. it, huh? <laughs> was, no, I love Mary. I'm just saying like when she was going through it, like, you know, when she was going through it, like I was a little, <laughs> she was going through it. And then, um, so like, it, but you kind of grown that kind of like, there's kind of that narrative with them. So I think with In Vogue, what I would have liked to have seen if it was like, maybe with EV3 um, definitely at least with Masterpiece Theater like when you're so many albums in like you have to like start letting people kind of know you to a certain extent so that's when we need to see more personality like stuff needs to be more focused on the group and I feel like that would have connected 
them to their audience a little bit more. Um, and had they made good music, maybe they wouldn't always be at the top of the charts, but they could be releasing stuff that goes gold, at least up until like, you know, when records just stop selling all together. Like there would have been a place for them if they were still making like music that sounded, you know, um, like the, not, not saying the music sounded current, but like the production quality was current, like it was up to par. So our, our next email... Uh, our next listener letter comes from Sean. Hi, Sean. Um, and it says, listening to episode eight, Josh said that he was going to argue why Tisha Campbell would not have made for a good addition to Invogue, but he never got around to it. I was wondering if he could address it now. Vocally and aesthetically, I think she would have been a great fit. I'm interested in hearing whether you're... I'm interested in hearing where you're coming from. I don't think I said that, but I'll argue it anyway, (laughs) because I agree. So if I did say it, then good for me. If I didn't, then I'm going to say it anyway. (laughs) Um, But I think we have discussed Tisha Campbell. I think we did a Tisha Campbell, Shantae Moore, like what would happen if all of these... Shanice, I think we had talked about all of these women. I don't know what episode that was, but... That being said, Tisha Campbell is a distraction. Tisha Campbell is uh, talented on paper. I think she's a wonderful actress. I think she's a brilliant comedic actress. But I think that she's never been taken seriously as a singer. And I don't think that... And I think that when she does sing, unfortunately, it's not taken seriously by those who listen. And so I think that if she had joined the group, it would have been... um to uh it would have been oh oh there's um there's there's Gina from Martin in, in Vogue or oh there's uh what's the name from uh oh what is it from my wife and kids what's her name um I can't remember the character's name but I just think that she's too much part a part of pop culture history in a, such a significant invisible way that I don't think people would ever get over the fact that they were watching Tisha Campbell to actually like immerse themselves in the in vogue experience i just don't think it would have worked it would have never worked and aesthetically i don't know i don't really see it there either like i feel like she would have been giving us uh jane Toussaint from school days popping it and doing all that sort of, like, <laughs> i just don't know that it would have it would have been as smooth as i'm used to to getting from the ladies so it's a no for me it would be like billy porter it would be like Billy Porter, like joining Jodeci to me. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> now, now that is now impossible. <laughs> impossible. <laughs> I mean, and, and I do agree with you, Sean. Uh, Tisha, Tisha can sing, and I and she's a first soprano. I love a soprano, and sis got a ranger. I don't know where it is at now, but I I literally can watch clips of Little Shop of Horrors over and over and she is singing that soprano um, so so I do get that you know vocally she's great but when it comes to the brand of Invogue like I said before I just feel like um, she doesn't necessarily embody their aesthetic it, it's to me it's more performative because she's an actress you know and she and she's also a, a theater a theater kid so it's very much that overperformance, which is not a bad thing, it just doesn't mesh with what Invogue gives. Now, 
I think the close, the closest, I think you're right with the little shop of horrors re- reference. Like that's the, cause that was a girl group and they were killing it. Like they, they were singing down. Yes. But yes. it was giving Broadway, right? It was giving, it was a movie about a plant that comes to life. So it was, of course, it was ridiculous and that everything was over animated. Yeah. So I don't know that she can dial it back. So the next letter comes via Instagram direct message from One Finger Tight. Explain that name, please. Yes. <laughs> okay. We need a follow up. <laughs> Is that any window? It feels like it, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> um, the question is, what do you think it would take for Maxine and Dawn to return to En Vogue with Cindy, Rona, and Terry? Do you think there's anything that could successfully woo them back into the group? The coming of Jesus. <laughs> the coming of Jesus, because it, you know, the only way I feel this will be possible is if there was some like, specific event that it would make sense for them all to be there. You know, for like an in vogue 30th anniversary, you know, for like a special, maybe a one-off performance the same way they did Sylvia Rowan. Like, it would have to be something like that because I just feel like with their bread and butter being touring, it don't make sense for all five of them to be to be together. It don't make any sense because that because splitting that money in five ways. Well, no. it depends on how big the money is. <laughs> no. Though. Well, Don said that they make more money as three with Rona. If you're, if you're if you're splitting, yeah, I mean, I guess the three of them would make more money as three. <laughs> but I mean, again, exactly. if you're splitting ten thousand dollars amongst three versus, you know. You know, fifteen thousand dollars amongst five. Then I, you know, she said that yeah, the rate stays up. the same, but they just, um, I guess, and I don't know how she would know, but she was like, Cindy and Terry will get the lion's share, and then, um, you know, Rona gets, you know, what's I guess what they decide that she gets. But she was saying that like the, the rate stays the same, but they technically make more because they're splitting. They it. all get compensated equally, as our insider just said. Rona doesn't get a less amount because she's not an owner of the name. They get compensated equally. So let's continue <laughs> to, to 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 spread the narrative. Rona doesn't get less money than Cindy Terry. Okay, she gets okay. the same I apologize. But I'm just I was just quoting what Don said in the interview, and I can reference <laughs> the interview now. It's, it's the, the the YouTuber who uploaded it is called Halftime Chat, and so pretty much like all everything I said, even though. I've gotten them from multiple interviews that I've watched with her. Like mostly everything that I've quoted her as saying, it, it can be found in halftime chat YouTube interview where she kind of explained like the pay situation. But just to answer the question, I would think, and it goes back to I think what we talked about in season one for Don, where I think Josh was talking about Michael McDonald with the Doobie Brothers, like they're on going, they were touring, but he wasn't on the album. I think for Don, she would have to have like some kind of solo success. Just so she could be like, you know what? Okay, I've had that. I'm doing you guys a favor. That's what I feel like. Like For me, I feel like it's a psychological thing. I don't even think it's that. I think as the version of founding members of the group, I think there's just a certain level of respect and acknowledgement that has to be given. Like, you're touring based off the fact of the hit songs that we made as a foursome. They're not touring based off of whatever 
or Too Gone Too Long or Rocket. Like you're touring based off the hits that we created as a foursome. And what I've always gathered from Don and Maxine was that they want a certain level of acknowledgement of that. And they want to be treated as such to be able to make decisions um, together and not feel like they are hired help. That's just what I've always gathered from Maxine and Don in the last like two years. But I think it's just about the fact that we're touring based off songs that we created as a foursome. So you can't treat me as a silent partner that is just here, you know what I'm saying, collecting, you know, a check as a hired help, as a hired helper. And I think to me, that's what I've gathered from what both Max and Don have said in one way or another. I don't think it's about even ownership in terms of like what's on paper. It just seems like it's just a, a level of respect. It's just a level of acknowledgement. Like in Vogue, in Vogue is working based off of the songs that the four of them created. They are not touring based off of Rocket. Like, let's be very clear. Here's an analogy. They're not touring based here's, off of Electric here's an ana- Wait, wait, let me. Let, They're not let me touring offer based an off analogy. Flower, okay. Let me offer an analogy. If you have built a company as a, a president of that company, it is massively successful. And then you say, Oh, I'm going to leave and go pursue other things. Cause I'm, I'm that bitch. I'm going to go do it elsewhere. And the company survives. Maybe they're not as popping as they were, but the company is still there and they are still alive and doing business. You don't get to come back and say, I want my company. But back. I don't think That's either of them are saying works. that though. But you know, you also, but you also don't get to come back and say, I want to make decisions as a leader in the company. Even if I don't own the company, but there's that's a, just not how business there's a, works. There's a difference between saying I want to make decisions as a leader, meaning I'm an individual and I want to dictate, versus I want to have an equal part in the in an equal say. That's a completely different thing. There's a difference in saying that I want to come back and make decisions all on my own versus I want to have an equal voice. I think those are two very different things. I would, I would be okay with that if there was, if they still, if they did not sign away their rights to the name. That, if they were like, I, I have actual ownership, therefore I'm supposed to be able to have an equal voice and I could respect that. But like, unfortunately, bad business decisions have led you down a road where now you don't have a legal say. So therefore, why should we consider what you've got to say on top of having come in and out of the group multiple times? Tell it like, like it is, Josh. Tell it exactly. like it is. I just feel like we sometimes don't talk about this like it's a business. It's a business, y'all. And all this of that is fine. I don't business. think anyone has ever denied the legalities of it. Like, I don't, like, Dawn, I've heard, well, Maxine has said something different, but Dawn has always been very clear. Like, I gave up the rights to the name and all of that back in 96, 97. But again, it's like, if you're asking me to come back, if you're asking me to participate, which, let's be clear, Cindy and Terry have asked both of them to come back. Like, let's be very clear about that. They have been asked to come back. So if you're asking us to come back, then I don't think there's anything wrong with saying like, okay, if this is what's on paper, then that's what's on paper. But still, if I'm coming back, we need to have an equal say. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, we know what's legal, but we also know the fact that we're touring based off of what the four of us created. So I don't. I don't see the issue with, with saying that when we're making decisions and we're moving as a unit of, of four or five, then we should all have the same voice. It shouldn't just be what you two want 
And that's the answer versus we don't, we just need to sit back and deal with it. That to me, I, I couldn't move in that situation either because we all know and we're all very clear on the fact that if it wasn't for the four of us, y'all would not have a career. There would not be anything to continue on Which is on true. With. Nobody's disputing that. If it wasn't, if right. it wasn't for Tommy and Denny. Okay, well, the, but we're career. not talking about Tommy and Denny. We're talking about the four girls who worked and toured and sang those songs. Cindy, Terry, and Rona have been touring, and they, they have their camaraderie. They have their flow. They know what they want to sound like. They know what they want to look like, et cetera, et cetera. So now if, if Maxine and Dawn come back into the equation, now you have to consider two other people, you know, and... You know, you have to create a whole new, a new writer. You know, you have to create, you know, legalities and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It just, the logistics of it, it becomes a lot. So you're, you're telling me that because you were in the group 20 years ago. No, that, no, no. Because that we're you in the group that sang the songs that, you, with, that we're all touring off of. It's not, just, but that it's, can't be the only point to rest on. No, that can't be the no, only point. It's to not rest just on. about the songs. It's not it just about the song. Be. It's not. It's not. There, there are too because many. Let me tell you this. There if are Don too many. Maxine bought no. If Don and Maxine bought no value to the group, Cindy and Terry would have never entertained the conversation of bringing them back. Like that's the thing. I feel like we're not like let's like. Don and Maxine were not emailing each other. We're JP. We're clear. So that's my we're point. So they, of, of so Don and we so know, Terry and Cindy I, understand the original members' value, which is why they even entertained conversations about bringing them back in the first place. Because if Don, if if Cindy and Terry were very clear and and didn't feel like they mattered any, they would have never have entertained it. They would there would have never been a conversation. There would have never been a back and forth. If you come in ready to be a team player, those conversations can be had. It's about a protection of assets. It's about making yes. it's about it's about assessing risk and making decisions based on the risk. If I have if yeah. I contract a costume designer to do our stuff and they have worked with us for since they, they did our original gowns. But then they can't come through and give me my gowns when I need them on time. No, but just take it and apply it to any. But that scenario. matters. That's a part. That's a part anybody of it. Can make this, a gown. Not everybody can sing a song. Everybody. Not everybody no. Everybody can make a gown, but can anybody make a gown? Recording. Like I mean. Again, it, if, you, if you, keep, felt, you keep referencing yes, music, why else was so, Cindy and Terry at this point even entertain? Dawn and Maxine. There are way more. There are way more moving parts than just the catalog. There are a lot of other things that go into reuniting with five women with a brand such as that that they have. So it's not just about oh well we're the original members and we sing it. It's like it's more to it than that. And Dawn and 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 Cindy and Terry they know the brunt of it. They know what they're going to deal with. So it's like, yes, sis, if you want to have more of a say, you need to prove yourself to be reliable and that we can count on you. But they can't. That's why Rona is still there. And and she isn't going nowhere because she is there. She's reliable. She's loyal. She works well. And she understands, you know, who In Vogue is in this day and age. Donna Maxine don't understand that. to add to that, um, like and it's we always talk about the Supremes and so just with um with JP is saying makes me think of when they had that return to love tour. <laughs> and, yes. Um Mary Wilson 
was like, um, I don't know if it was the money, but what really I remember her saying was that it was the money. She was like, um, you know, like I done all of this. Like I came up with, you know, the, the costumes. I did X, Y, and Z. So you're telling me just show up, <laughs> just show up. <laughs> and then of course, like it, you know, Diana responded and she talked about how she gave her money and so forth and so on. But anyway, I just wanted to bring that up because that kind of just came into my mind. But as far as the business ends, like. I know we don't we don't see it, but like Invoke is an LLC, and just think when you know, like how Joshua brought up gowns, like just think when they are, you know, who's paying the costume uh, designers, the makeup artists, all that, like it's 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 a business, and so if they're putting up collateral or anything like that, what is Dom putting up? Nothing, because she doesn't have anything. So like that's why she would. I like you. Can, you can't have. Well, an that's equal, not how that works. Oh, it does work that way. Like I'm saying, if you want to have an equal say, you have to put up equal money. Like I, if I, if I'm not putting up any money, I don't have. This, I mean, that's just the way well, the world that's is. Not, no, if if we if we are doing a reunion tour and there is a promoter that's promoting the tour, we're getting a check up front that's going to pay for the band, the costuming, the choreography. Like they're. Like now, there's expenses before it's a loss leader. Money. Like any artist will tell you, like touring could be a loss leader at first. So like yes, maybe the, the promoter will pay for the band and pay for accommodations and stuff like that. Yeah. But when you're getting the rehearsal studios, all that stuff, there is the money that's being put up up front. She's not putting anything up front. And then with Maxine, the LLC started in 2006. She was a part of that. But remember what she did? She tried to start another group. Like she didn't just go solo. She tried to start another invoke. So that was the issue. So with her, it will be risky just to like bring her back in because then it's like well there was this big fight for the name and now I, I like me I'm a Scorpio so you do something like that I'm never trusting you again so I, so I will work with you but I'm never letting you have access to that because the last time you tried to start another group instead of just being Maxine formerly of in Vogue I mean I so with her that no listen I like I am not debating the legalities of it. Like to me, this is not a, a legal dispute. It's clear Cindy and Terry have owned the name. It is you know that is a thing. But what I've heard Dawn say, and to a certain extent Maxine, but she's never really clarified. But I'll just speak on what Dawn has said. Like it's not about owning the name and all the the legalities. It's just about a simple matter of respect of. I am a, a founding member of this group. We're touring based off of the songs that we created. I should have a, a, a say in what we're doing. I should have a say in the set list and all of that. I should have an equal say, not the majority of the say, not the sole, you know, I don't voice think that's what it, it is because when she wanted to do but, Don't Mess With My Man, they did it. Like, she was able to contribute a but song. No, but she, she literally said, like, when the last time after the, um, the Sylvia Rome incident and they went back and forth up, you know, via email about Rona being in the group. That the was the whole thing. And, she and all of that. But I think that, again, I just think that there's just a certain level of respect that you have to have for the original founding members. Because again, if they mattered none, if they were irrelevant, if it was just about Cindy, Terry, and Rona, they would have never entertained a conversation with Don and Maxine. Well, they have a relationship Period. with them. I think, like, Diana Ross, like, Return to Love Supreme, like, Diana Ross is Diana Ross. And the Ross. Return to Love. We saw what happened right, to right, the, right. With the Return to Love uh, tour, right? I, I remember that. You know, I, I remember that was funny with Diana Ross. Was like, they, I they brought in, they brought in Linda and Sherry Payne, and they can't they canceled the tour because people wanted a 
Supreme's reunion. People wanted to see Mary Wilson and Cindy Bird's song, but because the promoters or Diana or whoever did not want to pay what Mary was asking for, they they called Linda and they called Sherry and they said, okay, we're going to go with y'all. And two or three dates in, the tour was canceled because that's not what the people wanted. And it was so interesting because Diana said, like, she was like, when Mary was talking about her salary, Diana was like, I get paid percentages. So I don't think in terms of salary. So that was another interesting thing, which, you know, takes me back to my point about putting money up. Like sometimes she might not make anything. Of course, she's going to profit eventually, but it's a loss leader. Um, so I, I, I just, this is going to be the last thing I say regarding one finger tights letter. Um, I just think that it, and I guess he's kind of confirming it. You kind of agree with me that is an ego thing. So if Don came back as like a solo artist, like when Don Henley came back to the Eagles after having huge success, it's kind of like, you know, that fulfillment, she wants a certain stature. Um, but that sounds group. like you're saying she wants the only say. To me, there's a difference between an equal say and wanting to be the deciding factor. I think that's that's a very different thing. Like, for example, like, how do you go to do the um, Sylvia Rome event and you don't sing your biggest song, Don't Let Go, which just happens to be the song that Don leads? But she got to do giving him something he can feel. To me, that's very much so. But again, Don't Let Go is their biggest record to date. Are we denying that? Okay, but but that's the thing, though. Like, that's their so biggest to me, it's record. Like, but it's like... You so you don't want her to sing two songs. So the fact that she happens to be on two of the records that are the biggest, it's very much so. It's giving. It's giving very much so. Like we're gonna give you one, but we're not gonna give you the other. Versus giving him something he can feel and don't let go are two of the the songs that invoke are most known for. Giving him something he can feel is an iconic music video and Don happens to leave you're confirming it basically go. it's like why did I should I should have got two songs everybody else should, you know like but why but why does it matter the number of songs of who leads what versus that's what, I what? Don't know. like you got to sing like everybody got a part to me, that's more of an issue on their part is the fact that they have a resentment for the fact there that no Don just there. happens to lead two there. of the biggest songs that Invoke is known for. There's no resentment. See, there's a lot of assumption. There's a lot of assumption happening right now. But we we do have one more listen letter. I will say this because we you know we're talking about Don you know wanting respect and wanting to feel value. I understand that. I I do understand the fact of Maxine and Don saying like we're original members and when and if we do come together, we want to we want our opinions and our input to be valued and and taken under consideration. You know, now if there is this power struct power struggle where Don, Cindy and Don, I mean where Cindy and Terry are like the are like the the deciding factors. However, I still I also understand why Cindy and Terry would take that stance because reuniting with these women it can be a risk. But I will say, as far as you know, Dawn wanting wanting her opinion to be respected was well, sis. You got to give it to get it, and she doesn't respect Rona, and she and she and she uh, makes that clear on on a whole. On many occasions, 
if if Dawn had her way, she would kick Runner out and it would be the four of them, which I don't think is right. So I feel like if you want to be respected as an original member, you also need to respect the iteration that has continued the brand for the past 15 years. And if you can't do that, then why do you want respect and you can't even give it? That's Absolutely. my take on that. But I don't think that's the case. <laughs> like, I don't think I've never heard Don say I don't think Don Rona should be a part of it. What I did hear Don say was the fact that if we're gonna celebrate the 30th anniversary of Born to Sing, then we need to do that with the people who created Born to Sing. Now let me now let me now be clear. Even what it was, it was the 30th anniversary of Invoke. She doesn't. She doesn't want Rona. Now, now let me be clear. I personally, if I were Don, I would have. I would have just went along with it with or without Rona. Like that would have not deterred me from getting my bag. Like, let's be clear. I would have gotten my coin with Rona, without Rona, whatever. You know, so I can't say I agree with that, but I can understand the sentiment of 30 years ago, the four of us created a group. And if the four of us are willing to have a moment to celebrate that, then I can understand the sentiment of it. But again, sentiment is not going to stop me from my bag. So, you know, I, me and Dawn, uh, you know, we don't agree at all in that aspect <laughs> because I, I, I 100% would have went on to it with Rona. You know, I would have made it clear that I ain't like it, <laughs> but I would have went and we would have got that going. So, you know, that's 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 the difference. But again, I think I don't I've never heard Dawn say anything bad about Rona. I've I've heard her say nice things about Rona, but I just think I don't know. And and I'm not gonna front. I think to to say that Rona shouldn't be a part of it, I think that's kinda stupid. I think it's it's very short sighted, you know, when you think about what the group could be, I definitely think I definitely think Dawn moved wrong. I think she was wrong in that aspect. I think she should have gotten over it. I think she should have moved forward. Like let's be clear. It's ego, like correct. I said, it's ego. So you agree with me? Um yes, I, don't you do. ego, I don't think it's ego for the sake of being ego because I should be solo. I think it's I think it's ego for the fact of like we created something special. And maybe that's just where I differ from you guys because I think the original four is something that is uniquely special and that I personally cherish. Like, I personally cherish the original four and and what they bought and how they sounded and how they performed together. Like, that is something that I hold on a pedestal. It is. So, this next email is from Javon Francis. Or Francois, what are some EV cuts you wish were bigger or you wish they'd made singles? Kind of wish their version of Silent Night was as big as all I want for Christmas is you. Let let it snow or sleigh ride. Yeah, my first, their version of Silent Night is my, it is consistently in rotation for me personally. Like, I love that version of Silent Night. Like, that was... I think I said this on the podcast before, but I said it again. One Christmas as a young gay child, and I told my mother I wanted uh, the In Vogue album, 
I got Remix to Sing instead of Funky Divas. And the Remix to Sing had the, you know, the Silent Night on it. And so that is everything to me. It is consistently in rotation. Um, but yeah, I don't know why it wasn't bigger. But what are some of the EV cuts I wish were bigger? Um, none really, honestly. Like everything that was big, I feel like should have been big. Um, everything that wasn't big, I feel like it's special as an Invoke fan. I would have liked to love don't love you to have a video and live performances that and I think I talked about that I I really thought as much as I love give it up turn it loose give it up turn it loose is a great album closer it's just so mellow and smooth and it could have kind of it could have been like an answer to love don't love you like okay well he, love don't love you will give it up turn it loose so i always thought that love don't love you should have been like the fourth single i think off the heels of like such a big you know um intense song like free your mind like love don't love you hit very hard i love the rhythm section um so that one was a single and it went top 40 in the united states it's just interesting that they decided not to really give it the single treatment um even though it was released physically, there was no video. I have heard from back in the Invoke Craze days on Yahoo, there was someone from Europe who said like there was like there was a video, but it wasn't like a video how we would think of it. It was kind of like um like behind the scenes clips from their other videos that like kind of played as like a montage with the song in the background, which is so whack to me. Like they could have did something. I feel like um never gonna get it. it was a certain era in the past the styling of the video. So it's giving something he could feel for your mind was the future. So it would kind of been cool to see them, you know, current, you know, for 1992 and maybe like something Thai with like the, the jewelry or, you know, just, just very high fashion. And I know clubs are done to, to like no end. So maybe not in a club, but just in some place where people are like dancing and have some kind of storyline with it where, you know, you know, there's this guy and they meet up. I don't know, but it's just like, that's the one where I'm like, that easily could have been top 10. That easily could be one of the songs they're still doing to this day, but they just didn't give it the right treatment. I would have loved for Love You Crazy from the Masterpiece Theater album to have been, to have given more of a lifespan just because of... The aesthetic of it, you know, that nutcracker s type of thing, it would have been cool to see a video, just who how that would have been styled and the production design, the performances, that would have been cool to see. Um, I think I've been listening to like Mariah Carey's Butterfly album a lot. I promise I'm going somewhere with this. Um, and she did a really great interview where she was talking about like her approach to remixes. And it made me think about our conversation about the whatever remix. Um, and I wish that that had its own treatment and was served to radio in addition to the sort of cut that we know. Um, and so that would have been really cool, especially like a video that would have been really dope I think to have and then on the more recent side I think I I really wish Reach For Me had been from Electric Cafe had a real moment at radio because I think it was by far I think the best I love Rocket but I think it surpasses and is the best album cut period off of that off of that album so I like the the lyric video or whatever that was was really cute but I think that it deserved 
it had a real shot to, I think, be like to play well on adult contemporary charts. Wait, as we were talking, I just realized my favorite song from the Born to Sing album was Strange. Strange. I think that would have been cute. Like, so low, you can't, can't get, get under, under it. So yes. Like, that song makes me move. Like, I listen to that all the time. And even when, because, you know, I bought, I had to remix the scene cassette. And that was like a remix of that song. And I remember, like, just, you know, trying to make do and, and living for that song. Uh, but when I listened to the Born to Sing album, like, that is a standout for me. Some songs definitely at least do them live. Like, have they ever done that one live? When we heard um, Invocrace put up the Born to Sing uh, clip from, like, a when they were touring with Born to Sing. I don't know if it's the Born to Sing tour, if that was a tour in itself, but maybe they were opening for someone. So hearing the songs that they did do... It's like, did you really need to do the national anthem? Like, you could have did, like, some, you know, do Strange. Like, they did all the singles, I think they did. You don't have to worry. Oh, they did do Part of Me. That's, like, the one album cut that they actually paid attention to. But Strange, yeah, that would get the party started, especially, like, you have a band behind it. That is a bop. Like, that. that is the one song that I think, out of all the, like, In Vogue albums, like, I listen to it as if it were a single. You know, Maxine goes in on it. Like, don't don't get me started. Well, let's move over to our rare track section of the episode. So this episode, we're going to talk about Live Your Life Today, which was written and produced by Foster McElroy and was recorded for the Fox series Rock, where it was used as the theme song. It was performed on the series when En Vogue appeared as the Downtown Divas. What do you all think about this track? I love it. I love it too. I have a like a rip from like, I have a full version of the song, but it's like a live version. Or it's kind of like a version that they say was played on the radio way back in the day. I don't know. But I love this song. And, you know, Don goes in and let's have on those ad-libs. Um, but I love it. Like, I, I feel like I want the full high quality version of it. And maybe if Foster and McElroy Roy are listening, um, hopefully they can like provide us with just something. It's a great song. I mean, there's a man with no future, and it seems he can't live out his dreams. So he's trapped into thinking that he won't succeed, and he can't believe. He has to live his life for today, not for tomorrow. I mean, come on, come on.
that is poetry if I've ever heard it in my life. Period. Well, um, I I do like the record. It was the theme song for rock. So, um, you know, Tommy and Denny were definitely getting their money for the season that that was the, you know, the thing too. My standout memory of the song though was of course, and did, did you guys watch Rock when Vogue was on there when they were guesting? I remember I was so and I it just it's just like the things that I remember like I remember my mom had a friend who was an extra um, and she would always be like oh look look there's my friend Carmen I don't know why I remember that but I do but I remember watching it and there was kind of a thing for some of the episodes because they were actually filmed in front of a live studio audience but to get to my point they did it on the show and I just feel like there's something about a song you know, just when it gets like a full performance. And so when they did it on the show, like they look so beautiful. They kind of had on like these Grecian kind of um, uh, dress. Well, no, not Grecian, but they were all white with like gold kind of um, accoutrements for lack of a better word. And they just look beautiful and they sang it live in front of a live studio audience. They sounded great. And so like, you know, I never have to worry about them doing it live because they did it once so that kind of fulfills something for me so like when JP was talking about Strange like that would have been so great if just if there was even just a live performance of it <sighs> but yeah I like it I love it I agree I thought that, that that should be there should be a real high quality version of that available for folks but I don't know what kind of I feel like I feel like the fact that it's tied up in TV show politics I don't I mean they I feel could like just you leak it at this point <laughs> I mean, leak it. <laughs> leak it, leak it, leak it. And me and Dawn let the girls have it on those ad libs. I understand why they mad. <laughs> I mean, that's just what I'm saying. It was good to hear like different, like Terry and Cindy singing in unison, but like Cindy singing lower than she normally does. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, just that's what I'm saying. Like, there's just so much range and like they're just because we didn't get so much music from them there's probably so many capabilities that we had that we'll never really know but for songs like those where just kind of like they did something different Maxine was still at the bottom but like they were it wasn't as high as they're normally singing and then Don was like like the soulful belting you know so it wasn't it it, it was was a little bit different from how they usually style a song and just even the how it kind of comes in with the eye, like they're all kind of alibing a little bit, and then they come into the um, into the actual verses. Like that was cool too. Like they're all alibing. Then they just it, they did a really good job with that song. That's all I'll say. Well, that has been our episode of Part of Us. You can stream us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, YouTube, and in most places that you listen to your podcasts. Please review and rate our podcast so that we can uh, get more eyes and ears on it. And for more InVogue related content, you can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at InVogue Craze and on Twitter at Part of Us Fancast. If you have ideas, interview requests, comments, or questions, email them to us at partofusevf at gmail.com. And be sure to join us for our next episode, which is our season finale, where we will be dropping some interesting sizable in vogue news. Yeah, so we got some tea. So until next time. This 
episode of Part of Us at Invoke Fancast was researched, written, produced, and edited by Matthew at Culture Inject Productions. The intro and outro music was produced by Wolves and Vincent Tone. We're more than just a podcast. We're a fan community. You can keep up to date on Invoke and chat with other fans by visiting Invoke Craze on Facebook. You can also follow us on YouTube and Instagram at Invoke Craze and Twitter at Part of Us Fancast. Part of Us and Invoke Fancast is not endorsed by Invoke, E1 Music, or Invoke Records and is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. Invoke and its names, images, and audio clips are registered trademarks and or copyrights of the respective copyright holders. I think one day we should all like get into like a chor- a chorale and we should like sing an Invoke song. <laughs> <laughs> like who's gonna be the soprano? I feel like Matan can be the soprano. Well you know I could hear my voice. I feel like Champ can be alto. Me and I'll be tenor and Josh would be like bass. <laughs> <laughs> well, listeners, what do you think? <laughs> is Jackie on to something or is he on something? I am three ways from drunk. Like, what I knew something was making you happier than you usually are. I shouldn't even say that. I should say more... I don't even know. But I could tell there there was something that was smoothing you out. This guy told me. This guy told me that when I drink, I become way more submissive. I say, excuse me, <laughs> I am not submissive. <sighs> now, now the people gonna the people gonna think I'm colorist. They gonna, <laughs> the people gonna think I'm colorist. I don't like black women, and it is not the case. Oh my god. There's a man.